So getting out of the way of the fact that I have baby ears, I want to talk about something else. Something you may not have heard about before. One guy you may not know. One you've probably heard about. The first guy's name is Gary Kildall. Anybody heard the name Gary Kildall? You can't raise your hand, Brianne. Okay, fantastic. So Gary Kildall was the guy who was an up-and-comer in the computer tech business world. And he came up with a, a, an invention that was going to revolutionize computers, and it was going to change the game. And so this little startup company that was called IBM was trying to make its way, and they reached out to Gary Kildall, and they said, we want your work. We want to buy it from you, and we want you to have the royalties from the work, because we're going to put it in our computers, and this is going to take off. He said, why not? So they set up a meeting time, and they say, we're going to come, and we're going to talk this day, this time, in this place. And so IBM sends their executives of the corporation to that place on that day at that time. But guess who didn't show up? You see, Gary Kildall was a man who seemed to really enjoy entertainment. He seemed to really enjoy getting out and doing some fun, extravagant things. He had a little bit of money. And it had happened just recently that he bought his own personal airplane and became licensed as a pilot. And so when the day came and when the time was when he was supposed to be at that meeting, at that place with those executives, guess where Gary Kildall was? Flying around in space. Not technically space because this was a long time ago. The air. So IBM called this other guy. Tell me if you've ever heard of the name Bill Gates. That opportunity came and passed. And Gary Kildall wasn't ready and willing to take it. And so you come to a weekend, and specifically to tonight, when God is putting an opportunity in front of you. And the Bible talks about opportunities in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. It's, and Paul's saying, as we have opportunity. Now it says specifically in the verse, as we have opportunity to do good, let us do good to everyone, and especially those of the household of faith. But I am convinced beyond belief tonight that God has given you an opportunity to come before him, to lay your burdens down, and to be made more like Christ. Here's the prayer I'm going to pray in just a moment. I pray that we seize the opportunity that God provides. And I pray that you personally will be present, not just in body, but in mind and in soul. And engage with God as he will lead us in the meeting that he has established for us and that you won't be out flying around somewhere in the air. But you're present where God is. And so that he can help you become holy. So take advantage of this opportunity. And let's pray to God together. Lord, as we come to you at this time in prayer, we pray that our hearts are bowed. And that we're humbled before you. And whatever it is that you're going to work, and we know it is always something wonderful, we pray we'll let you. 
And as we engage with you through your word, we pray that we will look into the closets of our lives, of our habits, of our minds and our hearts, and that we'll have the courage, the Christ-like courage, to let them out and bear one another's burdens. Be honest and truthful with ourselves and ultimately with you. Because, Father, you know all things anyway. This is just a process that we need to go through to come to terms with where we're weak and so that we can accept, we can ask for and accept the forgiveness that you're willing to offer. But, Father, in all things, we want to be made more like Jesus. And so we pray that we exalt his name. We pray that we lift you up in this time and that everything we do is done in honor of you. And we offer this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. The elephant in the room. It might be big, pink, and stinky. <laughs> but we don't talk about it. Well, this weekend we're going to try. However, I believe the elephant in the room is not something you expect. Tonight, as we set the stage for the weekend in the study and in the worship and the time to discuss today, I have a feeling that you may think you know what the elephant is, but in reality, you probably aren't clued in on it yet. Because for so long in my life, I thought I knew what it was, but I was just grasping at air. I think I figured out what the elephant in my own life is. Let me share it with you and see if you're familiar with it. I want to make my own choices. I won't be told what I can't do. You better not tell me I can't do something. And I better not have to deal with any consequences in my life when I make my own decisions. Why? Because I want to be Lord of my life. I'll give you what I think is the elephant right here and right now. I believe that each of us has a piece of us that wants to be Lord. That wants to reign as King in our lives. How do I know that? Because of the choices that I make. How do I know that? Because of the words that I speak. How do I know that? Because of the habits that I've allowed to formulate within my own life and practice. We, at times, want to be Lord. And so this elephant is in our rooms, it's in our homes, it's in our hearts and minds and it's crashing and it's wrecking and it's breaking us down because what the elephant is telling and what the elephant is pressuring us to do is this, hey, you probably know what's best. Hey, you probably won't get caught. Hey, you probably are going to be okay here. I know God said so, you shouldn't. I know your mom and dad said you shouldn't, but you know what? Hey, they're not here. In reality, he's not here. You don't see him anywhere. So it's okay. And the elephant is plaguing God's people. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, open up your Bible there. Unlock your phone. Turn there for me, please. I want you to see it because I don't want you to trust my words. I want you to trust Jesus' words. And I don't want you to let Austin's lesson impact your life. I want you to let God's Son impact your life. Because you may be here tonight and you may say these words. Jesus is Lord. We even sung a song just moments ago. How great is our God? 
Well, those are great things to say, but listen to this. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many, several, tons of people will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Stop. Look at me. These are people who would say, Lord, Lord. These are people who would sit and sing, how great is our God. But Jesus will cast them off. Why? Because words may be spoken, but lives were not lived for the Lord. I believe the elephant in the room is that we want to be Lord of our lives. Now I wrote this out in the outline that you have in your booklets because I wanted people to hear the truth of this. And I didn't want to mess up my own words. And so let me read it. And so that you can understand it more clearly, you might read along. Question. How do you know somebody's sick? You know, when you walk into school, that first class in the morning... You're trying to get to your desk. This is not in the booklet. This is all ad lib, by the way. You walk to your desk, and that person in the front row goes, Achoosh! And that huge snot rocket shoots out, and it's kind of dangling over their top lip. You're like, oh, sick. Oh. Later on, you know, they got the hacky cough, not just like the, uh, uh, the, uh, 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 uh. You know somebody is sick because of the symptoms that they show. Now, do you know what the sickness is? Probably not at times. My boys have been in and out of doctor's office and hospitals, and I have no idea what's going on at times. But what do I do know? I do know is that they're dealing with symptoms. You see, sometimes as Christians, we just try and treat the symptoms. So going back to what I have in the booklet. How do you know someone is sick? It's the symptoms. I know it's likely that someone has a cold if they're coughing, sneezing, tired, or have itchy, watery eyes. That's what the commercial tells me. The symptoms are obvious, and they show that they have sickness in their body. But without the symptoms, no one would be able to tell an individual sick. So what are the symptoms which lead to the conclusion that some young people, and all people really, want to rule or be lord of their own lives? If you're reading along, you know what's coming up next. But before you get ahead in yourself, great. Another sex, drugs, and rock and roll talk. Hear me out. I don't know statistics nationwide. I don't know people on the other side of our country. What I know is what has been right in front of me for several years. So can I share with you a couple of stories before we get to the talk? I want to tell you about a guy. He decided, as he was dating and he fell in love, as I've already seen many of you in this room are tonight, he fell in love with the girl. And he was so excited. 
He was so pumped about it, the love was just bubbling over him. It was boiling, and you, everybody could see it. You know, you're, you're disgusted by it. And so that person, he goes off and he decides, I'm going to buy her an engagement ring, one for her. It's going to fit her. It's going to be just her size. It's going to be something she likes. It's going to be awesome. She's going to love it. He goes out and buys the ring. Heart's pounding. Holds it under his bed, sleeps with it at night as he's planning the engagement, asking the question. But then they break up. Now he has the ring, but he doesn't want to get rid of it. It was a huge deal. What if something else happens in the future and they get back together? Well, it just so happened that he started dating another girl. Oh, what he thought was love, that was just deep like. This is love. This is it. And you know what? Listen to me. He said, I already have a ring. What's wrong with that, right? She won't know that I bought it and I almost gave it to somebody else. I, I didn't go all the way and put it on her finger. <laughs> so it's probably just going to be... I just bought it with her in mind. Let's do it. So he spends the time. He comes up with the ask. Some people are already shaking their head because like, they're like, this guy's a fool. And so he goes on and he asks the girl, what does she say? Yes. He places the ring on her finger. You know what took place? Didn't work out. She gave him the ring and said, this isn't going to work. So now... The ring he bought for the first girl, the ring, but he didn't put it on her finger, thankfully. The ring that he actually placed on this girl's finger, now he's left with this engagement ring and, and broken hearts. Well, you know what happens next, don't you? Oh, he's floating because he's found love again. And this, I'm telling you guys, this is true love. And so in this time, he asks the girl the question, will you marry me? And he didn't tell her about the past. He may have shared that he had girls and he dated girls and he fell in love before, but no big deal. If she doesn't find out, it, it's really not that big of a deal, right? A ring that he wanted to put on her finger but didn't. A ring he put on her finger and took it off. And then finally, this third girl, will you marry me? She said, yes. He put the ring on her finger. And she kept it for the rest of their lives together. Now, girls, let me talk to you. Let me ask you a question. Who would be excited to be that girl? Guys, how many of you are brain dead enough to try that? <laughs> oh, there's always two in the room. They're not going to have any girls talk to them this weekend. <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? Shake your head yes if you think that's ridiculous. We go crazy over a ring. But sometimes we don't care at all about our bodies. We would flip out. Girls, if you got a ring that was meant for somebody else, it's been used by somebody else. 
Well, the, the ring wasn't actually put on the first girl's finger, so at least it didn't go all the way. Right? But who wants to be the second girl? Nobody. Which guy would actually try and do something like that? Nobody would try it with a ring, but we have tons of people who are trying it with their bodies. And it's ridiculousness. It's an elephant in the room. Let me tell you about some statistics that I know. Of the... I don't know how you count it specifically because some weren't as lengthy as others. But of about the 15 couples that I've done premarital counseling with, 75% of those people have already been sexually active before they got together. Most of these people are Christians. I don't know statistics from any journal, any website or data bank. I don't know them. What I know is what is right in front of my eyes. Three out of every four people I counsel in premarital counseling sessions have already been sexually active with each other. Christians! It is an absolute elephant in the room that young people, middle-aged people, and older people who are dating and getting married are already having sexual activity together. Now, they may not put the ring all the way on their finger, but they're definitely doing some other things. And I'll just be blunt. When I look out into crowds and I see dating couples, I just don't even question it anymore. So I hope you're not the statistic. Well, what's the big deal? The big deal is people who are doing that are showing the symptom of the sickness. They are showing God that they are sick and they probably don't even know what the sickness is they're dealing with. I'll tell it to you. Those people don't want God as their Lord. And I wish to God that somebody would have stepped in front of me as a teenager and my friends and so many others and said directly to their face, it's not just about you shouldn't have sex till you're married. It's way more than that. It's about 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. When God said, through the Spirit and the writer... You are to be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. My job as a Christian, my job as somebody who's trying to live my life for Jesus, it's not about do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. It's not just about, well, I can go over here, but I can't go over here. That's Old Testament legalism. My job as a Christian is to be made holy in the eyes of holy God. It's to be made more like Jesus. But people who are involving themselves in sinful sexual activity tell God, I don't want you as Lord. When clearly scriptures teach us, Matthew 5, 32, sexual rules. Hebrews 13, 4, let the marriage bed be held in honor among all. Let, let it be undefiled, clean and pure. 
Why? Because sexual activity was created by God for His people. And it's great. And it's fantastic. And in a loving marriage, it takes time and work and effort. And it's something that you honor God with in your marriage. But it's something that you hurt God with outside of marriage. Because you are misusing what God gave as a gift. When he looks down and he sees his people misusing his gifts, it breaks his heart. Because in the garden when God gave Eve to Adam, he said, let me bless you with something wonderful. And no doubt in that relationship there was sexual activity and God looked on it and said, this is good. But far too often he looks down on his people and he sees sexual activity and he says, this is bad. They must not want me as Lord. And this talk isn't centered on sexuality altogether. There's going to be a lot of that this weekend. And I hope you're not like Gary Kildall flying somewhere else in the spaces of your mind. I hope that your mind and your heart is centered and focused on what God is doing in this moment and throughout this weekend. I hope you want to be made more holy in the image of holy God. Because scripture tells us, whatever you do in word or deed, do all. Not some, not most, but all. And that's so important. Because not just with sexual activity, but even with the words that we speak in word or deed. Do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Honoring God the Father. All things. Words and deeds. What are you speaking What language flows out of your mouth? In any emotion, in any state, in any situation, the words that you speak will be the words that you're judged by. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 tells us, Therefore we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will all have to give an account for the things that we've done in the body, whether good or bad. All things. I'm not here to tell you what you can and cannot say. And all the stories I could tell about words that were spoken at different stages of my life before different people. But I think that would be a little bit silly. I'm not here to give you a list. Because that's old covenant legalism. Here is the message. This is the elephant that is standing right over there. If you want the Lord of heaven and earth, to be Lord of your life, there is no list that you're just trying to stay away from. You're trying to speak the words of Christ. And so I don't have to tell you, uh, that one's probably on the maybe list, but that's definitely on the no-no list. Ooh, that's a definite no-no list. And we all know there's a definite no-no list, right? You'd be lying to yourself and the Lord if you said no. But I'm not here to give you a list. I'm here to tell you, here's Jesus. This is holiness that God talked about through his spirit and the writer in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. And my goal is to tell you, do that. Be made holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. With the words that you speak. With the actions that you involve yourself in. With what you're not doing. With your boyfriend and girlfriend. These are symptoms of the sickness. Many things could be said in the realm of sexual activity, 
especially sinful sexual activity, because there is good. Many things could be said in the conversation of bad language. And then I also want to talk about this one. Teenagers just have a reputation of alcohol. Not all teenagers. But across our world, especially in our country, there's just a thought process and this temptation of alcohol. I get it. I remember playing ping pong in the garage over my best friend's homes when I was a junior in high school. This is right after my junior year, right before my senior year. And I, I was on the basketball team. A couple of my buddies were on the basketball team. And this other guy was a, a first-team All-State center on the football team. And they knew that I didn't drink alcohol for many reasons. I, it's just I'm never going to do it, and I haven't. So I said, Austin, man, this is non-alcoholic beer. Well, then definitely not. <laughs> There's no alcohol in it, man. Just, just crack it open and drink it. It's no big deal. I'm like, it's, it's non-alcoholic beer. And, and for people who drink alcohol, they say, beer doesn't taste good. You do it for the alcohol. And if there's no alcohol, then there's really no point. What I'm telling you is the entire situation was ridiculous. I didn't drink alcohol because my father stood before the congregation on, on a weekly basis and at many times, as the preacher would say, never touched alcohol. I don't want to. I may become alcoholic. I may ruin my marriage. I may ruin my family. I may ruin my life. So I'm never going to try. Well, some have tried. And as the statistics go, see, I can't even say the word. As the statistics go, there are people in this audience who have tried, who are trying, and who will be tempted to do it quite soon. I'm not naive. It's a, it's a stinking elephant in the room. Well, Romans 13.1 tells us, obey the governing authorities. Submit yourselves to the governing authorities. There's an age to drink alcohol. So simply put, whether you think it's good or bad, if you're underage, you are sinning by drinking an illegal substance for your age. Period. That's it. Now, we can have a conversation about many things moving forward once you reach that legal age, but that should be it in a nutshell. Now, I hope when you come to a more, a more aged and mature mindset that you see alcohol for what it is, and it's a chemically transformed creation of God. Let me tell you about it. You ready for this? God put the plants on the earth so we could use the growth of the plants and feed our bodies. Well, when man comes in and they take the plants and they chemically alter and put it through a process, what they do is make it bad in many ways. I just stay away from it. But if you're underage, you shouldn't be doing it anyway. And then we even get to the spirituality of it. You know what Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says? We probably know what verse 19 says. Turn in your Bibles. I want you to see it. Because I don't want you to take my words for it. I want you to see what God has said about it. Now, I know that I'm taking this just a touch out of context, but I think the imagery is wonderful. I'll start in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then we get to the part of addressing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody, heart with the Lord. I'm not going to talk about the song part. 
if, listen to me, all right, all eyes. This, when I teach pew packers, I say, all right, guys, eyes and ears, look up. And they're like, So all eyes and ears, if you want to handle the elephant in the room and you want to get rid of yourself as Lord, hear the words, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Therefore, we don't even have to talk about the don't things in Christianity because you are consumed with the do things. Do be filled with the Spirit. Do become holy in word and deed. Do let God be Lord of your life because Jesus said, not everybody who says it will enter into it, but only those who do it. And by the grace of God, it'll happen. How do you train the elephant. Wes, I know that it was only scheduled to go to 9 o'clock. <clears throat> but I just don't care about time anymore. <laughs> and I've already got my paycheck. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> Have you ever seen those elephants in the circus that'll stand on a foot on a stool while balancing a ball and doing the hula hoop? How do you get there? How do you train a two and a half ton elephant? Well, there are these Asian elephant trainers and these agrarian places that take these elephants from infant, and this is the process, from a baby they take those elephants and they rip them, they strip them away from mom. And so they lose all sense of security and protection because they steal them from their mother. And then they take them to their village to a, this huge tree if they have an enormous base, the tree has an enormous base, and they wrap this chain or this incredibly thick rope around this tree and they put it on the leg of that baby elephant. And they wrap it so that if the elephant tries to move, the knot becomes tighter. It's one of those suffocating knots. The more you struggle, the tighter it gets. And so what does that baby elephant do? Because mama's right over there. What's mama doing? Going crazy, making noise, saying, come back, come back, come back. So what's the baby doing? Screaming and pulling and pulling. And all of a sudden it's pulling so hard that that rope has tightened so tightly around its foot that it's cutting and it's bleeding and it's hurting the animal to the point where they say, all right, I'm trapped. It's sad. And so what does that elephant do? It grows up thinking that it is trapped. The more I pull, the more it hurts. So I won't pull and I won't fight. So the baby gets a little bit bigger. It becomes a young adult. And so what do those people do? They take the rope off slowly. And they put on a regular rope. And no longer do they put it to the tree. They have a post that they've tamped down into the ground. And they tie the rope to the post. Now we're talking about, at this point, a one and a half ton animal. And we're talking about a four by four piece of wood. Who's going to win the battle? 
But as soon as the elephant pulls, what do they remember? Oh yeah, I'm trapped. I'm not in control here. And so the elephant from a young adult becomes a fully grown massive animal that can move land and massive amounts of weight. And so what do they do? They take the rope off. You ready? And they take twine. And they wrap it around the base of the foot. And they tie it to a rock. A brick. Small stone. So now this two and a half ton animal is bound by twine because it's been trained that it's not in control. I want you to put your sadness for the animal aside for just a moment. Because I see several people in tears. I want you to understand that these things that we've talked about, sinful sexual activity, language, alcohol consumption, other things for you in your life, they may feel like a two and a half ton elephant sitting on you. I'm here to tell you that elephants can be trained. How? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Draw near to him. The Bible says he'll draw near to you. Humble yourselves at the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. You're dealing with a symptom of a sickness. And it may be weighing you down tonight, but I want you to jump on board and start the journey of submitting yourself to God and saying, you are no longer in control. I give it to my Lord. Start the journey by submission, by acknowledging and recognizing, Lord, I've been Lord of my life far too long and I'm gonna give you control right now moving forward. And as I submit myself to him, what starts to happen? I'm resisting the devil. He's fleeing from me. And therefore, what am I doing? I'm drawing myself more closely to God. And God is taking every step closer to me too. So I'm acknowledging tonight of my submission. I'm walking closer to him in my life and in my living. And so that at some point, as I'm humbled before my God, he exalts me because he helps you to overcome when you let him be Lord of your life. So if you need help and support, we gather and God's given this opportunity because he wants you to know he's ready. Are you? And if you're ready and we can help you, let us know about it as we stand and sing this song together.